Amen. Acts chapter 2 says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all together with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Verse 3 of Acts chapter 2 says, Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now you can keep reading in Acts 2 on your own, but today we want to take a look at why do we pray in tongues? What's the importance of praying in the Spirit? And so we're going to take a look at a, a few of examples. We'll, we'll see how far we get today in our conversation. But the first one that I want to talk about is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. So if you have your Bibles, you're taking notes with us this morning. You can go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 2 out of the NASB version says, For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. So when we pray in the Spirit, we are communicating with God. It's a restoration, if you will, a restoration of divine communication. The message says it like this. If you praise Him in the private language of tongues, God understands you, but no one else does, for you are sharing intimacies just between you and Him. So as you pray in the Spirit, it's Praying in the Spirit is having uh, communication with God. You don't necessarily understand the words. You're speaking mysteries between you and God. And so it's this divine communication. Getting your, uh, you know, the video earlier kind of reminds me of this. It gets your brain out of the way. Yes. You know, you're getting your, what your interpretation of all of that is out of the way, what you think about a situation, and you just begin to have conversation with, with God. In verse 14, if you keep going in, in um, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 14 says, If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. So praying in the spirit means that you are, you are praying with your spirit man is in, in communication with God. So you have to remember, we're, we're a tripartite being where there's three parts. There's spirit, soul, and body. And so when we're talking about praying in our natural language, we're talking about praying with something that's natural. We're talking about praying in our mind when we're praying in, in the natural, in our natural language, whether that's English or whatever your, your given language is, that's praying with your mind. But praying in the Spirit is praying with your inner man, your spirit man is praying out, and it's vocalized through your mouth. You know, so... When, when people receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit and they begin to pray in tongues, a lot of times people think, you know, God's going to come down and grab your tongue and start jerking your tongue around, and now all of a sudden you, you have no control over your mouth. That's not, that's not how this works. You're, you're giving vent, if you will, um, you know, just to, give, to put a word on it. You're giving vent, allowing your inner man, your spirit man, to pray out, to speak out, and he's using, your inner man is using your mouth to do that, and, and doing it by means of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 2, it says that the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. That means that the Holy Spirit gave them the ability, but they had to speak. 
So the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to have this divine communication, and we have to yield our mouth and begin to speak it out. So it's a restoration of divine communication. I want you to think about how powerful that is to be able, you know, I'm looking around at our team here, but, but you're able to speak, you're able to commune directly with God, uh, with your, your spirit man, without any... Um, there, it's, a, it's no influence from your natural man. You know, when you pray in your natural language, I don't know about you, but there are times where I, I'm thinking about what I have to get done that day. I, I'm, I'm thinking about whatever. You know, I'm thinking about my own interpretation of how God art, ought to answer this prayer that I'm praying. And, and that might filter into how I pray. But when you pray in the Spirit, you are praying uh, God language, God communication, um, that is not that's not affected or has has those filters to it. I, I'm waiting for somebody to jump in here. I don't care who. Somebody jump in. Yeah. So uh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, on the on the help, you know, Romans uh, eight twenty six and twenty seven says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, yes. for we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us. With groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So I have personally been in, in situations where I don't know what to pray. I don't know what to pray. Um, and my, my flesh gets in the way, my mind gets in the way, my carnalness gets in the way sometimes. Um, you know, when I'm praying and, and I do, you know, every once in a while we all have a tendency to, or I at least have a tendency to, um, get carnal and pray my will within a prayer about a specific situation. Again, like, Hey Lord, if you could handle it like this, that would be great. Um, you know, but when we pray in the spirit, it gets our mind out of the way, you know, pastors, when they, when they first came here and actually, uh, recently too, you know, one of their sayings that they used to say is don't think, just drink, you know, just drink of the spirit, drink of the presence of the Lord. Don't think, get your mind out of the way. And we saw that study. We saw that video uh, where, you know, you pray in the spirit and it gets your mind completely out of the way. It shuts that down and enables the spirit to intercede through us, to help us in every situation, to pray the will of the Father. That's right. So Brandon brought up another reason why we pray in the spirit. So the first one is that it's a restoration of divine communication. Brandon brought up that by praying in the spirit that we're praying the will of God, that we don't know, we don't always know how to pray, but we're praying God's will. So the spirit's helping us in our weakness that we don't know how to pray. So he's helping us. But that verse also gives us a third reason why we pray in the Spirit. So we're, so we, we're kind of giving you three things all at once here. It's a restoration of divine communication. We're, we're praying God's will and not our will. And the third thing in there, that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. So as we pray in the Spirit, we're praying in, in uh, overcoming our weaknesses here. So there's, there's three things that we've kind of put out on the table. Uh, to talk about. So let's, where do you want to jump in? <laughs> oh my goodness. Open up a can of worms. So to come alongside of us and he helps us in our weakness. You know, we don't know how to pray. 
We don't know the perfect will of God. We do not have the wisdom of heaven, but we have the Holy Ghost living on the inside of us. And as he baptizes us and we're overflowing with him and he prays through us, he gives us his supernatural ability, his supernatural strength, his supernatural wisdom. And in doing that, the helps us in our weakness is sunan tailam batamai. And he literally comes, it means that he literally comes and wrestles us to, 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 come, to come work with us, to come alongside of us, and we can't get away from him. So as we're praying in the Holy Ghost, it's like this glue that just sticks us together with the Holy Ghost. And he's coming alongside of us, and he's enabling us everything we need, everything, to realign our inner man, to realign our emotional state, to realign our thoughts and our minds, to give us the perfect will of God, to give us the wisdom of heaven, to give us the natural strength that we need. Sometimes we don't even have the, the, the ability to lift up our heads. I don't know about you, but I call upon the Holy Ghost in my good times and in my bad. And there are times when I can I even lift my head? I'm so exhausted. I'm so down and out. I don't know what to do. And as he comes alongside, he helps us in our weakness. And so, so praying in the Holy Ghost, he, he edifies us. He equips us. He helps us in our very time of need. Pastor Grace, did you have something that you wanted to share alongside of Romans 8? Were, were you prepared for that? You know, I was just looking at, um, you know, we get to pray the perfect will of the Father, and I love that that picture um, because it's it's the praying in the tongue, praying in tongues is the alignment. And I'm I'm gonna jump to another topic, but um, same 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 vein. But as we begin to speak in tongues, as we begin to pray in tongues, we bring ourselves into alignment. So we bring ourselves into alignment of the perfect will of the Father the perfect will of God, we begin to make intercession for, for, for others. We can begin to make intercession for ourselves. We begin to pray out what God would pray. And we don't know the mind of Christ. The Bible talks about that. We, we, don't, know, we don't know his mind. We see but in part. And there's so much more. So we get to tap into all of that as we speak in tongues. And as we come into alignment, you know, it talks about how we we come together in unity, and we walk together. And so, you know, I can remember back the <laughs> one of the very first services I, I led worship with um, Pastor Heather, and um, it was a Wednesday night, and we were preparing, and, I, you know, I'm like, okay, you know, I had all my, my things of, you know, when you, when you lead worship, you have to make sure that all the songs align with the you know, align perfectly with the message and, you know, it's got to all tie together and everything's got to go da 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 because that's how I had been trained and that's all I knew. And so I looked at Pastor Heather and I'm like, okay, so how are, how are we going to get on the same page? What are you preaching about? What are you, what are we going to be learning about? And she laughed and she just said, just go pray in tongues. Turn on that tongue CD. I'm going to make, I'm going to burn this for you. You're going to listen to it. And I was like, What? <laughs> this makes no sense to me. But I did it. <laughs> and the Holy Ghost came. And as I began to align with the Father, and she began to align with the Father, we met up in the middle of his will. Imagine that. <laughs> and it happens time and time again. And I see it time and time again, 
as, as we all, you know, even as a worship team, as each of us, you know, we all have different ideas on how we should do things and how things should sound and, you know, all the little things. But as we, as we turn that off and as we go into the, the Holy Ghost and as we pray in tongues, as we align ourselves with the will of God, we all find ourselves right in the middle of the perfect will of God and we're all on the same page and we don't have to think about it. There's no striving. So I love that. Yeah. So Pastor Grace uh, talked about being in the will of God, praying in the spirit keeps us in the will of God. We are praying the will of God. And then she, she, she started on this, um, that the Holy Spirit, praying in the spirit brings unity and how the Holy Spirit brings us together. I want you to think about for a moment, um, if you rewind the clock, go back to Acts chapter 2, and they, they had just seen Jesus crucified, the resurrection. He had spent time with them, then ascended. Everything's in chaos. Now they're, they're in an upper room waiting on the Holy Spirit, but you don't see any striving. You don't see any issues. Um, Peter stands up, you know, when, when they received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, there was no fighting over who was going to take the microphone and stand up and explain and preach. No, the Holy Spirit came upon them and brought unity uh, in, in the midst of, of what would have been normally a chaotic situation. And if you keep reading in Acts chapter 2, it says that they continued of one heart, one mind, that they were of unity, they were together. And, and this is a common theme throughout Acts is the unity even, even in disagreements, even in times where they disagreed about things, there was the Holy Spirit always brought unity. You know, another example of that in the New Testament we see uh, is in J, or excuse me, Acts 15, where there, there, there's a stirring, there's a little bit of a striving over. Well, the Holy Spirit's being poured out in Paul and Barnabas's ministry on the Gentiles. What's this all about? We've, you know, Peter saw. Cornelius's house. Now Paul is seeing the the outpouring of the Spirit on the Gentiles. What's happening? And there's a little bit of among the believers. There's a little bit of trying to figure this out. You know what's happening, and the Holy Spirit comes upon them. They're in a meeting, the, the Jerusalem Council. They're in a meeting, and the Holy Spirit comes and brings unity. And in a moment, uh, James has a prophetic word about what God's doing in the moment. So the Holy Spirit praying in the Spirit. And it brings unity. We see this uh, in Jude chapter, well, there's only one chapter in Jude, but Jude chapter 1, verse 20. Uh, you see this there, Jude 20. It says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in what? Praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God. So this, the love of God keeps us, constrains us, puts us, you know, the praying in the Spirit keeps us, constrains us, puts us in the love of God waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. This is what the Good News Bible says, how, and it translates this. It says, but you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's loves as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. So praying in the Spirit, is it keeps us in this place of unity. Um, so that's another reason that we pray in the Spirit, keeps us in unity, but it also builds us up, it edifies us. So there's, a, there's another, there, here's two more reasons why we pray in the Spirit. Um, we stay in unity, we operate in unity. You know, anytime you talk about a group of people operating in unity, that's a miracle. That's, you know, that's, that's a miracle. So, I, I mean, I can't even stay in unity with myself some days, you know. <laughs> 
Today, today was one of those. When allergy, when I woke up and allergy craziness was happening, I, I, felt, I felt myself segmented. I knew, I, I felt my inner man saying, you are one cranky person today. And I felt my, my fleshly nature saying, I'm going to be cranky. And in this, this striving between the two of them. So I'm, I'm choosing to, hopefully I'm choosing to be more Christ-like than I am carnal today. But, but praying in the Spirit, we were joking before service started that I had to go pray in tongues because I needed to get in the love of God. But um, praying in the Spirit keeps us in the love of God and it builds us up. It's edifying. It's building us up. Um, my wife is, she's getting antsy. I am getting antsy. I love the Holy Spirit. I love all the benefits of the Holy Spirit. And so um, just taking a look at Jude verses 20 and 21 once again. But you, beloved, building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying in the Holy Ghost. We find ourselves, like Pastor was saying, unified with the body of Christ and building ourselves up, keeping us in the love of God. And I want to take a look really quick in Matthew chapter 24, and we're going to look in verse 10. And it says, And many will be offended will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And verse 12, And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And I don't know about you, but we I believe we are living in the last days. Paul said it, and we're saying it again today. It's the last days. And, and I don't want to be one of the many that grows cold. Yeah. And this love here in verse 12, is talks, it's the love of God. It's the same love as Romans 5, 5. The love of God shed abroad in our hearts. How? By the Holy Ghost. By the Holy Ghost. So as we're baptized in the Holy Ghost, as we're praying in our heavenly language, we're praying and releasing the love of God in our lives that our hearts wouldn't grow cold. It unifies us with the body. It unifies us with the Father. It restores that divine communication. It builds us up in our faith, and it keeps us in his love. It allows us, you know, to not walk in judgment, to not walk in strife, to not walk in pride or self, but to walk in the love of God. We talk about heaven being a world of love because there's no influence of man. The only place on this earth that I know of to not have man or natural influence is praying in tongues. When we, like Pastor said, give vent, give way, yield to the Holy Spirit and allow the Spirit of God in us to pray through us back to the Father, it, it binds us in His love and releases the heavenly love in our lives. And, and that changes everything. And so how do we not grow cold in these days? Pray in the Holy Ghost. So if you think back to um, the Tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 11, that, you know, what were, what were they doing? What were they trying to do? They were trying to build a tower that reached to heaven. And uh, God said about them that nothing would be impossible to them, that they had said 
among themselves. We're going to build a tower. We're going to do this. And there was this communication, this, you know, um, the, um, unity in their communication. And as a result of that, they nothing was impossible. And then the languages were confused. They were, they were in error for what they were doing. Their, God confused their language. And now praying in the spirit is this restoration. We're talking about it again, this restoration of divine communication that brings us in unity. That, that you could be praying many different languages in the spirit or even in the natural, you know, tongues in the natural even. And, and yet God brings this unity among that. It, it's, a, it's a precious thing. It's a, it's a God thing. Only God can do that. It's supernatural. So God uh, praying in the spirit brings unity, unifies us. That's why we, we practice praying in the spirit corporately. You know, we, we, pray, we pray with our natural language, we sing with our natural language, and we pray and sing in the Spirit because it unifies our church. It, it keeps us in the love of God individually, but it also keeps us in the love of God corporately and brings us together in uni unity corporately. Um, so it's, it's absolutely important that we do this. Um, the other, another reason why we pray in the Spirit, in 1 Corinthians 14, going back to chapter 14, 1 Corinthians 14, 4 says, He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. So when we pray in the Spirit, as we're praying in the Spirit, we're edifying ourselves. We're building ourselves up. So again, this, this same word, build yourselves up, that's used in Jude, we see it again in 1 Corinthians 14 that we're edifying ourselves or building ourselves up. It means to build a house or to, to build a structure. So we're edifying ourselves by praying in the Spirit. Jen, why don't you jump in? Um, yeah, I just love that. And I kept thinking about the unity. And it's funny because it does bring unity. And, and we frequently experience that here. It brings unity in the body. It brings unity of us with Christ. But it also unifies us with unbelievers. In, in God's special way, he makes that happen. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 22, it says, So then, tongues are a sign, not for those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophecy is a sign, is for a sign, not to unbelievers, but to those who believe. So like Pastor was saying, we're edifying ourselves, but it's also a sign to unbelievers. On the day of Pentecost, when the apostles and all the believers were in the middle of the temple yards speaking in all these different tongues, all the bystanders were looking at them going, wait a minute, aren't all these guys from Galilee? Why do they know our language? Why are they talking about the wonders of God in our own tongue? And it says that that was when Peter was able to get up and preach to the crowd and tell them, hey, this is not natural. This is not them being drunk. This isn't some crazy thing that happened because we all partied too hard. This is God. This is the spirit of God moving and bringing the, the knowledge of Christ, really, to these people who otherwise wouldn't have heard it. Because really at that point in time, you know, the knowledge of Christ was just kind of with the apostles and the disciples in that time. But because of the day of Pentecost and because of the speaking in tongues, they were able to then spread it to, it says um, in Acts 2, 11 and 12, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them in our own tongues speaking of the mighty deeds of God. And, and that's true. At, at the time, it had only been 
for the people who could speak Aramaic or, or knew what the disciples were talking about that were also from Galilee. But the day of Pentecost opened it up as a sign to the unbeliever, as unity of the body of Christ with the world, with those in need of a Savior. The speaking in tongues brought unity between the believers, brought unity for the believers in God, and then brought unity for the people in the courtyard listening to them, hearing about the wonders of God in their own tongues. It's awesome. Unity, edification, awesome things. Now, someone asked, do you, if you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, does that mean that you're not born again or not part of, you know, the, the body of Christ? And, and the answer to that is no. And we see that the, the speaking in tongues, the, the gift of, of the Holy Spirit in tongues is, is subsequent. It's secondary to salvation. But the Holy Spirit is involved in salvation. There, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit of salvation. But then there is more as we walk with the Lord. There is more in this relationship with Him that we can experience and walk out in our day-to-day lives. So we see this um, in multiple places in the New Testament. But I just want to point out a couple here. In in Acts chapter two, when Peter stood up to preach, he said, "Repent and let everyone be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins." Part A. So he said, do this, and then you will receive. So there was, there was two things happening here that Peter talks about on the day of Pentecost, in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Repent, and then receive. So there's two, there's two um, works that are being done here. There's salvation, and then this, this immersion, this gift, this baptism, as Jesus called it, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or the promise of the Father. We see this again in Acts chapter 19, another example of this. Um, is found in Acts chapter 19 in Paul's ministry. Paul had gone to Corinth, or I'm sorry, Paul had gone to Ephesus. Um, Apollos was at Corinth when this happened, uh, and Paul was coming into Ephesus where Apollos had been ministering. And as Paul begins to preach, he asked the believers there, he says, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And what were the believers' response? Now, these are, these are you know, the term Christian wasn't used at this point. They were followers of Christ, followers of the message of Christ. But, but their response was, we haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. We don't know what you're even talking about. They're, so in our, for, for our purposes, for understanding their experience, where they were at experientially, they had been born again. Um, and they believed the message of Christ. But they, didn't, they hadn't been taught yet that there even was a Holy Spirit. So do you, do you have to have this baptism in the Holy Spirit? Do you have to pray in tongues to be born again? No. Um, but th- it is such an, a wonderful gift and an amazing part of your walk with the Lord. It can be just an, ex- just a, an amazing part of your experience with Christ. And for the very reasons we're talking about today, why do we pray in the Spirit? For the very reasons that we're talking about. These are some of the reasons that, that make this so uh, essential to the life of the believer, but uh, is it a requirement to be a part of the body of Christ? Is it a requirement to go to heaven? No. Um, if you keep reading in Acts chapter 19, he says, so did you receive? And they said, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he asked them, well, what were you baptized? And they said, well, John's baptism. Well, John's baptism was repent, repent and be baptized. So there was a baptism of repentance. So if you keep reading verse 5 of Acts chapter 19, it says, when they heard this, so what they hear, Paul taught them, very briefly, Paul taught them, in verse 5, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, 
And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So, you know, here is a group of believers, and, and one of the greatest revivals in the New Testament church was here at Ephesus with these with these believers that Paul laid his hands on. And they received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in tongues. So, is it essential? No. Is or is it a requirement? No. Is it essential? Yes. Uh, but it's not a requirement for salvation. But great question. Thank you for asking that. Um, so the Holy Spirit, we were talking about the Holy Spirit bringing unity and edification. That's right. And the, the Holy Spirit, you know, as we talk about the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit with speaking in tongues, the, the, the main benefit is we're getting to know Jesus. Yeah. We're getting to know our Heavenly Father, the Holy Ghost, three in one, the Trinity. And so it's a relationship with him. You know, we're not seeking the gift. We're not talking about praying in tongues just to say we prayed in tongues. Like Pastor Zach said, someone asked the question um, if, he, if he's heard of being slain in the spirit. And um, I think he has. Um, and he'll always tell the church, you know, why do people lay on the floor? Why do people fall out? If it was just about that, we'd all just stand up in a row and say, okay, fall down. And we'd fall down. And then we'd go home. Uh, but it's not about falling down. It's yeah. not about being yeah. slain. It's about the encounter yeah. in the moment yeah. with the person of the Holy Spirit, with God himself. Yeah. And so as we pray in tongues, it is a communing of us. It's the restoring of divine communication with us and God. It's the edifying of ourselves in Christ Jesus. It's the building up of our faith. It's keeping us in the love of God. It's all about him, getting to know him. You know, it's Christ who sits in the heavens today. Christ is our heavenly baptizer. He's not jealous of the Holy Spirit. He is yeah. pouring out the Holy Spirit for believers so that we can have access to this. This, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues, all the benefits of it is part of our inheritance in Christ Jesus. It's what he has given to us while we live on this side of, of earth. And so, okay. I'm going to jump in on what my wife's saying because it's so good. And I want to give you a scripture for this um, so that you understand uh, th this is what we're saying here is biblical. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 33, it says, therefore, this is, now this is Acts 2. This is outpouring day. This is talking about they're all praying in tongues. They think they're a bunch of drunks. Uh, you know, the crowd all thinks they're a bunch of crazy drunk people because of what they're seeing and hearing. And Peter's preaching, and this is part of his message. He says in verse 33, Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. If you remember in Luke 24, verse 49, Jesus said, Don't leave Jerusalem until you receive the promise of the Father. So Peter's, Peter is linking back to what Jesus taught and saying he's received the promise of the Father, the promise of the Holy Spirit, and he's poured out. Who did? Jesus did. Jesus has poured out this which you now see and hear. So, so this is. does this mean that the Holy Spirit is uh, lesser than Jesus? No, it's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They're part of the Trinity. But you're seeing here the, the ministry of Jesus, the heavenly ministry of Jesus, is baptizer in the Holy Spirit. So he came 
to earth as our Savior and ascended to heaven as our heavenly baptizer. So it's, it's the twofold ministry of Christ. Remember, John the Baptist preached this. He said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. That's, that is the ministry of Jesus. He's our Savior and our baptizer. And um, so that's what, that's what Heather's talking about here. Now, on the comment about... Uh, on the comment about slain in the spirit, you know, that's a term that, that has come around that people use in, you know, have probably used for the past 20, 30, 50 years or so. I mean, it was around at Azusa Street. It was around, you know, it's a term. We, we come up, you know, we come up with terms to try to describe what God's doing in the, in the physical. Um, in the Bible, it's, it says that they fell as dead. You know, you see it, you know, you know, that we call it, we, we tried to make it nicer being slain in the Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit's killing people today, uh, but the Bible says that they fell as dead, you know, so who knows, you know. Uh, but but, the, but the, what's happening is what Heather said, it's an encounter with God. Now, I know we've all got crazy stories. We've all had the weirdness. I mean, if, I, if we went around and asked everybody to share their weird sto- stories on Facebook, we're not. But all of us could tell a story about somebody who, who was being weird. There's not one doctrine in Scripture that somebody hasn't gotten weird with. But it doesn't mean that we throw the baby out with the bathwater. And, and we are as just as guilty as those who are weird with doctrines if we overlook doctrines because people have acted weird. So it's, it is our responsibility as believers to understand the truth, preach the truth, and experience that reality. Um, but, but anyway, so slain in the spirit, St. Paul is dead, whatever you call it, um, I, you know, resting in the Lord. I've heard all sorts of terms. There's, there's historical encounters with the Lord like that. You can look throughout history and see the power of the presence of God manifest that way where people are unable to stand. People ask me, why do people fall in your services? Because they can't stand up. Um, it's really simple, you know. We don't push people. We never have. We're very, very cautious of that. We try, we try our best to make sure that we create a very safe environment for ministry, and we don't like all of the, the fluff and the fake, so we're very cautious on that. But the power and the presence of God is very real. And, um, you know, people do, do fall when they experience the presence of the Lord at times. They fall at His feet. Sometimes with nobody even around, they fall, you know. Uh, there, there's, we, and, and we see that. We've seen that happen, you know. Um, I've watched whole sections of pews of people fall out under the presence of God with nobody around just because God came down in a, in a powerful way. One of the greatest examples of that in Scripture, I'll just highlight this and we'll get back to praying in the Spirit, but one of the greatest examples of this that we see, uh, or w- one of my greater examples, I guess, that I love is when Judas comes with the centurion soldiers to arrest Jesus. And there's, you know, 500 soldiers ready to arrest Jesus. And they say, we're looking for, for Jesus, basically, and, and have you seen him? And Jesus' response, three words. Well, in English, it's three words. I am he. And all of them, the Bible says that they all fell. Um, you know, just three words. He didn't touch them. He didn't do anything. I am he, and they all fell. 
So you see that, you see it in Revelation. I mean, time and time again, you see it throughout the Bible where people falling is dead. The woman with the issue of blood came trembling before him. A lot of people say she was fearful. I don't think she was fearful. If she was fearful, she would have, she was unclean. She wouldn't have pushed through. Yeah, if she was fearful, she wouldn't have even been present, you know. Um, she was, there was power flowing through her body to the level that Jesus said, Virtue or power has gone out for her. He felt what she was feeling. Um, and until you experience that, you don't know. You're just, you're just making assumptions based on what you, your own encounter. But when you experience the power and the presence of God like that for yourself, you know exactly what that woman was feeling. I've, I've experienced the power of God in my life to that level where I, I was trembling. I couldn't control. I, I tried to stop it. The more I tried to stop it, the worse it got. And because his power, his his presence and power, just like speaking in tongues, just like salvation, these are not just words on a page in a uh, in a book. This is reality, and, and this his power is reality. Resurrection life is reality. Healing power is reality. It's not just words on a page. So when when he touches you, something's going to happen. Something is going to happen. And I, I want to continue and highlight this for a little bit. It's on my heart. You know, um, I, we hear you. You're sitting in your living rooms at home, and we hear you. We hear your questions and your frustrations. And can you be born again without praying in tongues? Pastor answered it. Yes. What we're talking about, being an experience with our Creator, an experience with the Holy Spirit, it is a relationship. Yeah. Your relationship with God is personal. And what you experience and what I experience aren't going to be the same thing. Right, not everybody shook and fell, Pastor said. So when you first were born again, did you have full revelation of Scripture? No. As you continue to pursue Scripture and read Scripture, do you still get fresh revelation? Yes. Same thing with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Same thing with praying in tongues. Someone that prays in tongues is not more spiritual than someone who doesn't pray in tongues. It is a free gift. Is someone born again better than someone not born again? No. We're all a fallen people. All have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. The grace of God comes upon a person's life and presents the gospel. Yes, we respond. The same way the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the grace of God comes upon a believer and then we have a choice to respond. It's experiential and it's up to each one of us whether we respond to that. You know, Pastor referenced a scripture that says, repent every one of you and be baptized in the Holy Spirit so that times of refreshing can come. That's a continual baptism. You know, there are people that, have, that are born again, baptized in the Holy Spirit, have had evidence of speaking in tongues, and say, wait a second, I haven't prayed in tongues. I can't pray in tongues. I try. Did what I, what I experienced. Is it real? And start getting frustrated. Well, then we begin to walk them through Scripture again, searching the heart. Times of repentance. 
When we get full of self yeah. and, and, and we're, we aren't communing with God as closely or we aren't communing with God regularly and there is flesh and natural separating us from him, we've got to go to a place of repentance once again out of relationship. Right. In a marriage, right. we're not always walking 100% in unity. There are times where he'll look at me or I'll look at him and say, what are you talking about? I don't even know who you are right now. And we'll have to back it up a second and get ourselves right with one another. Same thing with us and our Heavenly Father. We have to walk in a place of communion with the Holy Spirit, of fellowship with Him. And as we do, it's a continual experience, a continual relationship. You're going to continue to read the Bible and have fresh revelation. You're going to continue to worship and have fresh encounters with Him. And as we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, there is fresh encounters. You know, I love that as I pray in the Holy Spirit, my prayer language evolves. I've got prayer languages today that I didn't have last month. Right. It's right. pretty cool. Zoe will even say, what language is that? I've never heard that one. Well, no, dear. It's a new heavenly language because it's a fresh encounter and a fresh relationship. So I hope that answers a little bit of your questions. He's tapping me, and I'm ready to go on to the next one, but I'll pass. <laughs> I want to I jump in here, too, because, you know, if you're just tuning in today and haven't watched us the previous weeks, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit since Easter. We've been talking about all the various aspects of the Holy Spirit, His ministry, who He is. And so some of that, if you haven't listened to those or weren't present, going back and re-watching those, listening to those will help set a foundation. If you've never heard this, this is all new. I realize, you know, that might be some, might be the case with some. So go back and listen. But I just want to highlight, you know, from John chapter 14, um, Jesus said, um, in John 14, 16, that I pray the Father and He will give you another helper. Yeah that he may abide with you forever. And what he's saying there is that I'm the, the, the Father, God, it, you're going to have one just like me. You're going to have the Holy Spirit who's just like me. So Jesus was present in, in, on the earth, and the disciples, those that believed in him, followed, walked with him, saw his ministry, heard his teaching. But now the Holy Spirit has come, and the Holy Spirit is continuing the ministry of Jesus in our lives daily. So just like the disciples were walking in fellowship with Jesus when he was here and didn't get it most of the time, you know, here we are. We have the Holy Spirit living with us, and we have to, again, learn how to stay in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And so praying in the Spirit is keeps us in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. It, it keeps us in the place of connection, dependence upon, listening to, yielded to the Holy Spirit. That's right. And now I want to take a look at another um, benefit, if you will, of praying in tongues. Um, and we're going to take a look at Isaiah 28 and verse 11. And praying in tongues is therapeutic. And I know many of you are, have been stressed. You're worried, hey, what's happening? What's happening in the world? What's happening in my life? Pray in tongues. If you look at Isaiah 28 and verse 11, it says, For with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to his people, to whom he said, This is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing. And so as we find ourselves in a place of strife and turmoil and stress and anxiousness, 
we pray in the Holy Spirit. It is the rest of God. It is the place where we find refreshing. You know, we can, you know, the other day, um, Wednesday was a very stressful day around here and lots and lots going on. And and I felt that I had the tension of the day in my body. And as volunteers are coming in to help and, you know, to get ready for the 20,000 pounds of groceries to go out the door, they would find me singing, Jesus loves me, because that's all I could muster in the natural, and praying in tongues. And I was singing in the Holy Ghost and singing in the Holy Ghost and singing in the Holy Ghost. Why? Because I needed times of refreshing. Yeah. I needed the yeah. therapy that only comes from the Father. In the natural, did I know things were okay? Did I know things were going to work out? Absolutely. But in the natural, I still felt the weight of the day. And in the natural, I, it could have taken me eight hours of counseling or a friend talk, you know, peer talk to work through all the stuff that was happening. But in Christ Jesus, Jesus, in the presence of the Holy Ghost, as we pray in the Spirit, He comes and we find rest in Him. It was so funny because you could feel the and, and physically see the stress on me. And then as the day went on and I kept praying and singing in the Spirit, poor, poor volunteers got to hear me sing all day long. You would see the stress level go down and the, 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 the peace of God come because there's therapy in praying in the Holy Ghost. I've got this quote here, and it says that psychiatrists and therapists can deal with the mind, but they cannot deal with the spirit of man. They don't know how. God deals with the root of the problem, which is the inner man. And when you begin to pray in tongues, you will find that you can find rest in God. You find rest in God. The Holy Spirit is like therapy. You know, a lot of people say that, that the baptism in the Holy Spirit, I've heard it taught, I'm sure you have too, that the, the Holy Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is only a New Testament idea. Nope. <laughs> it's right here. Isaiah prophesied about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. He said, with stammering lips and another tongue. It's right here. Um, and there's there's a lot more. There's a lot of other benefits that we could go into. I mean, there's, there's a ton of 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 benefits and we have pages of notes up here that we've been preparing to share with you um, and there's a there's a lot that we could talk about today but uh, but we're reaching the end of our time and I wanted to take communion together uh, before we before we go today but as we prepare communion as we Heather's going to help pass that out um, it, it, Heather reminded me earlier of continually being filled you know the baptism in the Holy Spirit is not a one and done thing. It's not, you know, you have your initial receiving of that gift, but but it's it's constant it's learning to drink of the of the Holy Spirit. You know, as a as a baby, Asher's learning, he's drinking, you know, he's 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 got that drinking thing down. But you know, as little little kids we have to learn how to joint drink. We have to learn how to uh, utilize all of the mouth muscles and all that stuff, how to swallow and not get choked, all that stuff. We gotta learn. And when the older you get, the more mature you get in life, uh, the, the less you think about having to drink. You just, you know, you kind of just do it. And how many of you know that the more mature you get in life, the less that you drink? You, you don't really think about drinking. You, don't, you know, when you're a baby, the little babies, have, that's how they get their nourishment. That's how they live. That's how they grow. And if you don't, let me tell you, if you don't give Asher his food, Everybody in the house and the neighbors know about it. <laughs> but when we get older, we have this thing called dehydration. 
that we don't drink enough water and we get dehydrated. Well, there's a lot of, lot of spiritual dehydration out there, especially in seasons like we find ourselves in now. People get spiritually dehydrated. Praying in the Spirit, Ephesians 5.18. If you want a good verse for that, Ephesians 5.18. Go have a drink of the Holy Ghost. Let's, let's take communion together, shall we? Um, if you haven't had a chance to get your communion elements, that's okay. You can do this on your own or go back and re-watch with us. But we want to receive communion together. Father, we thank you for the broken body of Jesus. Jesus, thank you that your, broken, your body was broken for me. Lord, I thank you that I have peace. I have shalom. Nothing missing, nothing broken, everything in its place. Thank you, Jesus, that by your sacrifice, I have access to all heavenly blessings, that, that I've been, I have been made born again. I, I have been born again, born anew, and every heavenly gift, every heavenly blessing, the promise of the Father has been made available to me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We eat and we celebrate all of the goodness of the Lord that's made available by your broken body. Let's eat. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your blood that was shed for me. Thank you, Jesus, that there's coming a day where we will sit together and drink the cup of joy in heaven together. Thank you, Jesus, that we, we have joy, that we can drink from the wells of salvation with joy. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that your blood brings joy in my life, that it's brought freedom over sin. It's brought liberty over death, hell, sin, the grave. Thank you, Lord, for victory. Thank you, Lord, for victory that my name is written in blood. Thank you, Jesus, that the contract of my redemption is sealed with your blood. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. 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 Let's drink. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you in church, in the building on May 31st. Until then, we'll see you online. And don't forget Wednesday's grocery distribution and the children's ministry service is at 1 o'clock. See you. Sure.